Good morning, Crestview family. Hey, thank you for coming to worship with us this morning. I'm glad to have you with us. If you're a guest or a visitor with us for the first time, we'd love to get to know a little bit more about you. There's some cards you can fill out and drop in the offering plate just so we get to know you. I thought I had a guest. He's down here on the front row, but it's really just Nick. He's usually in the sound booth, so I thought he was a guest with us. But God, I'm glad you guys came to worship with us today. Um, got a lot going on. So I'm going to get into announcements, and uh, I'm going to go through them pretty quick, so, so listen, so you'll know everything that's going on. Uh, this week, uh, don't forget, play practice starts at 5.30 Wednesday in the choir room. It'll go from 5.30 to 5 to 6.15. At 6.15, we have a light meal in the fellowship hall. This week, 5.30 sharp, Sanders said she's making notes if you're rolling in at 531 you're you're getting demerits and um and uh this week for the youth middle school and high school we are going to be leaving uh campus after uh we get started we're going to go to hope community college college hope community church community not not college hope community church um, for a FCA event they're having, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Fields of Faith. It's a worship night and a speaker, and it's just the whole community coming together. Um, so I look forward to that. Um, don't forget about Bible study in here on Wednesday nights. Uh, kids will be down there still in the building, even though the youth aren't here. Uh, we will return back from Fields, to Faith, Fields of Faith. It says it's over at 8.30. I'm, I, so I'm assuming... That give us about, so I'm, I'm planning on being back here by 8.40, 8.45, so if you need to make arrangements and you can't be here at 8.45 to get your kids, just talk to me, let me know, we'll see what we can figure out. Um, don't forget, we got a few other things coming up, October the 21st, uh, the one night uh, community uh, college and uh, youth worship service, it's at Bowling Springs, um, that's on Saturday. Um, the fall festival's coming up, October the 28th. If you want to volunteer for that, whether you have want to do a trunk for trunk or treat, or, and you want to help out during the, the fall festival portion of it, um, like I said, it's going to be a little bit different this year. So I'm, next week in the bulletin, there's going to be a thing, I think, saying some things that I would like. There's really just a few things. But uh, save your empty two-liter bottles. If you drink sodas, empty two-liter bottles, um, I'm going to fill them up, and we're going to use them for a bowling game, and we're going to use them for a ring toss game. And if anybody has any, maybe have a pumpkin patch growing in your backyard, I don't know. You have any pumpkins you would like to donate? I need a couple of pumpkins for some stuff we're going to do. Not, not many. We're going to use, we'll use them as bowling balls. So uh, pumpkins, uh, candy. Um, we're going to need people setting up doing trunks. I'm going to need people willing to serve food. Uh, I'm going to have youth. They don't know it yet. They're going to be running uh, carnival games during the fall festival side of it. So um, look forward to that. Uh, October the 17th, I saw in the bulletin, the seniors are going to be going to Strawberry Hill for breakfast. That's always a good breakfast morning. And then they're going to the apple orchard. Ooh, look at there. 
Oh my God, what in the world? They're going on a whole day trip. Look at there. So uh, see Sandra and sign up for that, right? See you, there's a sign up out there. There's a sign up out here, or you can let Sandra know. Um, and also Terry wanted me to let you know that we're going to be doing, uh, have a work day Tuesday night out here at the church. So if anybody wants to come out and help get some stuff done around here, uh, be greatly appreciated. I don't think I have any more announcements. Like I say, do what? Oh, Miss Sanders got one, but I, after that, I'm going to turn it over to preacher Artie. I just want to tell you, I'm glad you're here and let's worship God together this morning. Our Veterans Day recognition will be the second Sunday in November. I know most of the ones here, we've got pictures of you and your information, but if you have never given me your information about the branch and when you served, um, see me after church. I'd like to get that information so we can recognize all of you. If you served in any type of military branch, uh, let me know. Thank you. Good morning. It is good to be in the house of the Lord today. And I tell you, me for one, you look at me and I have got my own insulation. And I love waking up to a cooler morning. That means I don't have to sweat. I know some of you don't like it, that you want it to be 80 degrees all year long, but me I love it cold, so I am glad that the seasons are starting to turn. The only thing I don't like is my yard gets filled up with leaves, and I have to wait till the wind blows them into my neighbor's yard. <laughs> but uh, it is good to be here this morning. Um, please continue to pray for the Hamby family. Most everybody knows, but in case you don't, Lisa Hamby passed away um, Tuesday evening, our piano player. So uh, her service was yesterday, so be, please be in prayer for uh, Kenny and Caitlin and Rachel over the coming weeks and months and years. Just pray for, for the family. And at this time, if you would please join me in prayer as we begin our time of worship together. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come to you. Dear Lord, you are the God that answers questions. You are the God that mends broken pieces. Lord, we thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. We thank you for the salvation that he offers through his sacrifice. And dear Lord, we are gathered today, gathered today as your people. Everyone that is here are here because of you. And dear Lord, we worship you this morning. As we sing your praises, may we do it not just to be seen and not just to be heard, but we sing them to you with our whole heart. Dear Lord, as Chad speaks to the children and ministers to them in children's church. Give him the words to say that will reach into their little lives and draw them to you. Dear Lord, as the choir sings 
And, and Sandra leads us in worship. Lord, may it be something special. May it be a sweet sound to your ears as your saints sing your praises. Dear Lord, as I speak today, speak through me. Dear Lord, if there is a lost person here today that does not know you as their Savior, may your Holy Spirit move in them today. May He draw them to you. And dear Lord, I pray that they will not leave this place without getting to know you in a personal way and making you Lord of their lives. But dear Lord, as we enter this worship time, I ask that you take all the distractions and thoughts of the, of the activities today or in, and what we've got planned for the rest of the evening just so that we can fully concentrate on you this morning. Have your way with us today. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our living Savior, we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we worship our Lord through singing? Page 249, glorify thy name. And we will sing the first and the third verses, 249. continue worshiping as we give our gifts, tithes, and offerings.
Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for our many blessings. We thank you for being who you are and what you are and what you do. We give back to you now a small portion that you have blessed us with, and I ask you to bless this gift and the giver. For it is your name, Jesus, our Lord and Savior's name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand again as we sing our hymn of praise, 243, Sweet, Sweet Spirit. And there's no way you can sing this by frowning. Let's smile and praise the Lord. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And I know that it's the spirit of the Lord. There are sweet expressions on each face. And I know. Yeah. 
that you give us the strength and the willingness to be ready in all seasons of our life, Lord, to share the gospel with us. Lord, I know I've heard the good news, and it's such good news, I wouldn't want to keep it to myself, but I just keep wanting to go with it. Lord, I love you, my brother. All the time. Spirit rain down, rain down, oh comforter and friend, how we need your touch again, Holy Spirit your voice be heard come and change our hearts as we stand on your word holy spirit rain down holy spirit Open 
thank you for that. Today we are going to continue looking at the Apostles' Creed. Now, as I have been going through this Apostles' Creed, hopefully you've noticed that there's, there's three divisions. There's our belief about God and who He is. God the Father. We just finished the section on God the Son, Jesus Christ. Well, today we're getting in to the Holy Spirit. And the next part of the creed, the next line says, I believe in the Holy Spirit. That means a lot. And that is to say we believe in the Holy Spirit, it's almost like a loaded statement. And so we're going to start unpacking what that means when we say we believe in the Holy Spirit. So if you would turn to John chapter 14, we're going to jump off with this, this passage from the Gospel of John, John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18. And if you would stand as I read this, in the honor of reading God's Word, this is what John, the apostle, the disciple of Jesus, the one that Jesus loved, wrote and recorded Jesus saying, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not behold Him or know Him, but you know Him, because He abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Let's pray. Our blessed Heavenly Father, thank You for what we see recorded in Your Word about the Holy Spirit and about Your promise of Him coming. Thank You so much. Speak through us to us today through Your Word. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our living Savior, we pray. Amen. Well, here are some facts about the Holy Spirit that we need to, to get out of the way first. There are some misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. The first one is, is that the Holy Spirit is a mystical or mythical force. They believe this is just some type of mystic thing that goes on and the Holy Spirit is mystical. Another misconception is the Holy Spirit is an impersonal power available to the followers of Christ. That it's impersonal. It's just a power that God gives us as His children. Also, some churches place their primary focus on the role, baptism, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. That seems to be their primary focus. In fact, I have been told by a friend that I was not truly saved because I did not have a particular gift of the Spirit. 
So the focus shifts from what Jesus did on the cross to what the Holy Spirit does. And so the focus becomes that. Okay? Now remember that as we go through all of this. Historically, in response to other denominations and others' focus on, on the gifts, baptism, and, and work of the Holy Spirit, Baptists have somewhat distanced themselves from emphasizing the power, work, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in a lot of Baptist churches, you will not hear clapping. In a lot of Baptist churches, hands do not go above shoulder height. Getting excited in, in, in church and raising your hands. That's a no-no. We have distanced ourselves and we have, in many cases, denied the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But here is the last fact I want to share with you. According to Scripture, according to what I have seen in my own life, and what I have seen in the lives of many, many people. The Holy Spirit is real, alive, and powerful. Bottom line, that's the fact. But we need to understand a couple of things. The first thing that we need to understand about the Holy Spirit is who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Simply stated, the Holy Spirit is God. The simplest thing I can say, the Holy Spirit is God. And we see an incredible example of that in the book of Acts. And Peter confronting Ananias. In Acts chapter 5, verses 3 through 4, you guys know the story of Ananias. Ananias and Sapphira saw all the other people that were selling things and giving the money to the church. And it was being divided up about, among all those that were in need. And they said, hey, I, we like this attention that these people are getting. So they derived a plan that they would sell a piece of property, keep a lot of it for themselves and give the rest to the church and tell the church that they gave everything. This was the price we got for and they're giving everything. So that was what they did. They said, we're, we're going to sell this land. We're going to give all the money to the church. And they pocketed most of it and gave the rest to the church. So this is what happens. In verse, chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, look at, at what Peter says. But Peter said... Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Who did it say that he lied to? Say that louder. Who? The Holy Spirit. Okay. 
and to keep back some of the price of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? After it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to who? Who does it say he lied to? Well, wait a second. He said at the beginning in verse 3, in verse 3 that, that he lied to the Holy Spirit. He said, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? But who does it say that he lied to? So what does that mean? That the Holy Spirit and God are one in the same. The Holy Spirit is God. We have to understand that as, as understanding who the Holy Spirit is, is that the Holy Spirit, along with God the Father, God the Son, make up the Holy Trinity of God. When we baptize someone, Someone comes forward and say, I have put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I want to be, be part of, of, of obeying Him, and I want to follow Him in baptism. Now, they don't say those words because they don't understand exactly what's going on at that point. But baptism is an outward expression of what has happened inside. And part of the Great Commission, it says, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, how? In the name of who? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so when Chad and I, we baptize somebody, we say, we baptize you, my brother or sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in a newness of life. But He is part of that trinity. Look, here, at this example from Scripture, if I can get my pages, sometimes my notes want to stick together. Does that ever happen to anybody else? John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18. What we just read. I will ask the Father and He will give you another Helper that He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see Him or know Him, but you know Him I, because He abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I have come to you. That last verse says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. But at the beginning, who did He say that He was going to ask His Father to send? A Helper. The Spirit of Truth. But then He ends, I will come to you. I'm going to tell you this. When you dig into Scripture, you start to see those things. You start to see those things that the language that's used and written was totally inspired by God to help us understand more about Him. And then look at Mark chapter 1, verses 10 through 11. Immediately coming up out of the water, this is when Jesus was baptized. 
He saw the heavens open up and the Spirit like a dove descending upon Him. And a voice came out of the heavens, You are My beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. Many people believe that it was at that moment God, Jesus knew what he, that He was different, that He was the Son of God, but He fully didn't understand what His scope was as a man. As God, He knew, but as a man, He did not understand exactly what, was, what He was there to do. And many theologians believe that it was at this moment when the Spirit descended on Him and He heard God say, this is My Son in whom I am well pleased, that's when it clicked with Him. That's when God released to Him. Because you know, God doesn't tell the Son everything. We know that. Because He tells us Himself that I don't know when I'm coming back. Only the Father knows that. So we know there's things that God did not reveal to God the Son. But where did Jesus go? You guys remember where Jesus went after He came up out of being, from being baptized? Where did He go? Didn't He go out into the wilderness? And that's when He was tempted after, after fasting for, and praying for 40 days? But the, but the Spirit and God the Father and God the Son are one. They are all God. So, having understood that, then we need to understand the role of the Holy Spirit. So what is it that the Holy Spirit does? What does the Holy Spirit do? Well, we have to start at the very beginning. The Holy Spirit was active in creation. Look at Genesis 1, 2. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And then in verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the, air, of the sky and over the cattle and over the, all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. In your Bible, is that word us? In my Bible, it's capitalized. Is it capitalized in yours? That means it's important. That means it is proper. That means it's referring to God. We also know, know, according to John chapter 1, that Jesus was active in creation. Because it says in John that nothing that was created, nothing that has ever been created was not created by Him, or He, he was part of, of creation. Nothing was created apart from Him. So, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were all active at creation. Then the Holy Spirit moved the prophets of God with the words of God. It was the Holy Spirit that prompted them to say what God needed said or told them to say. 
2 Peter 1.21 tells us that. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. In the same way, we know that Scripture, the Bible, Old and New Testament, now you understand that when, he, when Peter wrote those words, he was not referring to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, and Romans, and all the rest of the New Testament. What was he talking about? He was talking about the Old Testament. What we consider to be the whole Old Testament. The Hebrew Scriptures. The law, the prophets, the history, the poetry. All of it was written by God. See, Paul tells Timothy, all Scripture is what? Inspired. Which means God breathed. It is the Holy Spirit that inspires. It is the Holy Spirit that moves so that these men that prophesied and that wrote these Scriptures spoke and wrote the true Word of God. Inerrant. Perfect in every aspect. Which is just as viable today as it was when it was written. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit reveals God to us. 1 Corinthians 2, 9-10 But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. You guys realize that? That it's the Holy Spirit that reveals God to us? That even now, those that have, have known Christ as their Savior and have followed Him and studied and dug through Word can read a Scripture passage that they have read time and time again. And they read it, and all of a sudden it's like, how did I not ever see that before? That is the Holy Spirit revealing more about God to us through things that we read all the time. I'm telling you, it happens to me all the time. Nancy laughs at me. Because I make noises while I'm in there studying and, and, and I'm talking to myself and I'm going to go, oh! and she goes, what's wrong? I said, I just realized something. It's like a light goes out and I mean, I just get excited. And she laughs at me. Because I'm sure I scared her to death because she probably thought I had a heart attack from eating too much candy that Terry keeps bringing. But that's how God works. That's how the Holy Spirit works. Now this is going to be one that you may take back. Take a step back. But I want you to listen to this. And I want you to understand what Scripture says. Because I'm not the one saying it. Scripture says it. The Holy Spirit makes us born again. Okay, understand this. 
Yes, it's Jesus that provides us salvation, but it's the Spirit that makes us born again. Look at what it says here in John chapter 3, verse 5. And this is Jesus speaking. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You're like, well, what are you talking about? Well, when a woman is expecting to have a child, and it comes time for that woman to be due and that baby to be delivered, what is one sure sign that that woman's in labor? Water breaks. And after the water breaks, the baby is born. But then, Jesus says, unless we're born of water, physical birth, we also have to be born of the Spirit. Spiritual birth. It is the Spirit's work in us. That makes us born again. It is the Spirit that convicts us. It is the Spirit that draws us to Him. It is the Spirit that works in us and makes us born again. The Holy Spirit indwells us as believers in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? The moment we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells us. He lives in us. It is the Holy Spirit that seals our salvation. Ephesians 1.13 In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the Gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit seals our salvation. Once we are sealed, nothing can take that away. Now understand what I'm saying. Because there's a lot of discussion and a lot of debate about being able to lose your salvation. And I'm going to tell you this. These preachers, these musicians that have deconstructed their faith and have walked away from their salvation 
and say they are now happier than they've ever been in their life. And they're living a life that is contrary to everything that they've sung, everything that they've preached. And they say they're happier. I'm going to say something. I'm going to make a bold statement right here. They were never truly saved and they were never sealed by the Holy Spirit. Because if you can walk away, there is no way that you can be happy because something will be missing in your life. I tried it. I was miserable. And I made everybody around me miserable. I got my feelings hurt in church and I said, I'm done. And I walked away. But you know what? God never let go of me. And He wouldn't let go of me. And He kept on me and kept on me and kept on me. That's why I was so miserable. Because once you are His, He won't let go. In fact, Scripture says that once you're in the hand of God, nothing can pluck you from it. That's because we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. It is the, it is the Holy Spirit that baptizes the believer, at the moment of salvation into the body of Christ. This wasn't always the case. Okay, But let me look at the Scripture, then I will explain what I'm talking about. 1 Corinthians 12, 12-13 says this, For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, all, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we are all made to drink of one Spirit. It is the Spirit that baptizes us at the time of salvation. See, if you remember... Acts chapter 1, we follow, Luke follows Christ to the mount. And well, Luke's story follows Christ to the mount. And there are 250 people, including his 11 disciples that are still left, that, and, and other disciples that are there, 250 some people there on the mountain, and they see Christ descend, and they hear Christ promising that they will receive power after the Holy Spirit had come upon them, and that they would be witnesses. And Jesus told them, stay in Jerusalem and wait until the Spirit that I promise has come to you. And they're thinking, well, how are we going to know when the Holy Spirit... And I can just imagine... Jesus saying, you'll know. So they're all gathered. It says they're gathered up in the upper room. And, and, and they're praying and they're, 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 they're listening to the, the apostles teach. And, and, and all of a sudden, and you, know, you have to understand that this upper room, it was a room in the, temp, in, the, in the temple. And it was where everybody could gather. Jew, Greek, everybody. It wasn't a separate place that only the Jews could go. But everybody was there. And they said, then a rushing mighty wind came in. And tongues of fire fell on their heads. And they began to speak all in their own languages. That was the moment they received the Holy Spirit. That's also the moment that Peter stood up and preached preached. 
and 5,000 people accepted Christ as their Savior and were joined to the church. And at that point, the apostles had to lay hands on them and pray on them to receive the Spirit. But there was a man. Later on, there was a man named Cornelius. He was a Roman soldier. And he wanted Peter to come to his house to talk to him. Peter didn't want to go because Jews didn't have anything to do with the Romans. And a good Christian Jew would never go to a Roman's house. And Peter had a dream. The dream was a blanket, a picnic coming down out of heaven and all manner of unclean animals were on that blanket. And then it was taken back up and then it was lowered again. And God told him, how can something be made unclean that I have made clean? And when Peter went with them to Cornelius' house and they accepted Christ, they immediately received the Holy Spirit. And Peter said they were astonished that they received the Holy Spirit. So we know that from that point on, the moment people accepted Christ, they received the Holy Spirit. This is not a separate instance. This is not something that is super, it is supernatural, but it's not mystical. It's not a time where you get, the, you get a second baptism of the Holy Spirit. This all happens as a child of God the moment that somebody puts their faith and trust in Jesus for the first time that the Holy Spirit comes in. They, the Holy Spirit's actions save that person. Makes them born again. It also seals them and it baptizes them in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also renews the believer. That is not the end of the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit renews. You ever got to a point where you're just like, I need something extra. We, I, I, something's got to change. I'm just tired. Something's got to change. Well, the Holy Spirit renews. Look at Titus 3 verse 5. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. In Romans, we see that we are not to be conformed or conformed to this world, but we are to be transformed. How? By the renewing of our mind which is in Christ Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, renewing us as believers. Strengthening us as believers. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be Jesus' witnesses. Again, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be My witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. If we ever 
try to go out and witness without the leading and power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be just like those men that tried to cast out demons that didn't know Jesus. We're going to make a mess of it. We're going to do more damage than we do good. It is only through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that we're able to do that. The Holy Spirit is the believer's helper, comforter, advocate, and intercessor. See, back, go back to John chapter 14, verse 26. Depending on what version of the Bible you're using, what translation, it will have a different word. Mine says, but the helper. I know the King James says comforter. They say different versions say different things. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance of all that I said to you. You see, this Greek word that is translated Helper or Comforter, it is the word parakletos. Paraclete. Which means one called alongside of to help, comfort, advocate, and intercede. All of those in that one word. That is four different English words, four different things in our English minds that in the Greek language, they automatically understood what it meant when they heard that word. This Holy Spirit that God is sending to us is going to be our helper, our comforter, our intercessor, our advocate. You guys understand what that means? That the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. Our, our, the Holy Spirit is advocating for us. The Holy Spirit is our helper. The one that gives us the strength to do what God has called us to do. And our comforter when we feel like we don't have anything else to give. When we don't understand. You remember as a child and falling down and skinning your knees? And getting up and running. Who'd you run to? Mama. Mama. And if mama wasn't there, you reluctantly went to dad because dad would probably wipe it off with his hand and tell you to go out and play. But mama would hug and kiss on you and love on you. Hopefully. But that's what the Spirit does with us. There's a song by Twyla Paris that says the warrior is a child. They don't know who I run to when I fall down. It is the Holy Spirit that's there to comfort us. The Holy Spirit sanctifies the believer. Galatians 5, 16-18 But I say, walk by Spirit and you will be not carry out the desires of the flesh. But the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another 
so that ye may you may not do the things that you are ple- that you please but if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law sanctified means set apart that we are no longer obligated to follow the desires of our heart that we're no longer obligated to follow the desires of our flesh that we've been set apart we're sanctified the holy spirit is the gift giver 1 Corinthians 12.4 Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are gifts given. And why are the gifts given? Are they, are they given to make us feel better than somebody else? Or, or act better? Or be better than somebody else? Why does the Bible say that we receive as believers in Christ that we receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit? What's the purpose of all those gifts? Well, if I'm not mistaken, it's to build up the body. Isn't that what it says? The edification of the body? That means that everybody in here, every believer in here, has been gifted. And we all don't have the same gifts. Gifted differently so that everybody can function together. Why? To build the body of Christ. To deepen our relationship with Christ. To deepen our relationship with others. And to build the body. The Holy Spirit assists the believers in prayer. I have used this verse many times over the last week. But the Holy Spirit assists us in prayer. Romans 8, 26-27 In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Many people will see that Scripture and they'll interpret it that there is a separate prayer language that we use when we're praying. It's not what the Scripture says. not what the Scripture says at all. When we get to the point, and all of us have been there, that we, have, we don't even know the words to say. We can't get it out. We're hurting so much or we're so confused that we don't, we don't even know what to do. It says that it's at those moments that the Spirit is interceding on our behalf. He is there talking to God the Father. And He is praying for us. The Spirit does that. Not in us, but for us. Interceding for us so that, we under- so that God knows. God knows all things anyway. but it's the Spirit that assists us, that helps us pray. Again, interceding. I mean, the verse says, interceding for us, which is the will of the Father. So the last point is this. Why is believing in the Holy Spirit so important? Church, as Baptists, 
We need to stop being afraid of the Holy Spirit. We need to understand that the Holy Spirit is real. He's alive and He's powerful. The Holy Spirit is the one that shook the foundations when the, saint, the early church prayed to have extra power to be witnesses and stand against the opposition because they were being locked up. It is the Holy Spirit that seals us. It is the Holy Spirit that gifts us. It is the comforter, helper, advocate, and intercessor that was promised by Jesus Christ Himself. The Holy Spirit is God. We need to get past that. And we need to understand the importance of believing in the Holy Spirit because it is the Holy Spirit that brings God's will, Jesus, and Jesus' salvation to completion in our lives. We cannot do anything without the power and help of the Holy Spirit. People are not saved. They do not come to Christ without the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. The leading and the drawing of the Holy Spirit. We cannot function in our day-to-day lives as believers in Jesus Christ without understanding that we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Church, I pray every Sunday that the Holy Spirit fills this place. That the Holy Spirit moves among us. I don't say that just to say it. I say that because we need, especially in this time and age, we need the Holy Spirit. We need to understand and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. If God is telling you something today, if the Spirit is leading you today, whether it's to accept Christ as your Savior, whether to follow Him in baptism, or come and join our church, or whatever it is that that, that you're feeling God tell you to do, don't leave this place today without doing whatever God is telling you to do. The altars are open. You're welcome to come and pray. Whatever it is that God wants you to do today, do not leave without doing it as we sing this song. Would you stand as we sing hymn page 447, Trust and Obey, 447.
thank you for being here today. Um, I'm going to ask Jackie and Celeste if they could come up here. And Joe, you come up here too. And I'm going to ask Terry and Doug and Whitey if you guys could come up here. These two ladies today are going to the Uptown Jail to minister to the women that are there. And as Terry is our deacon of the week, as he dismissing us, I'm just going to ask that, that you gentlemen would just lay hands on them and um, pray for them as well as dismiss us from our service. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for letting us join together today. And Lord, I do reach out to all those that's going on our missions and stuff for Celeste and Jackie. Give them the strength and all to go to be a witness to those that are in loss, Lord. And I do pray that they can come and seek you as all of us that seek you in our, in our future. And Lord, please give us all the strength for all the ones that are not here, that are sick, that are not, you know, been able to come to church. Lord, do pray for those that, you know, are here and give us the sprint, and you know, that we can go and guide and help those that are in need. In your name, Jesus, amen.